Hey, what's up, guys? Good to have you back on another episode of Couchside Sports. This is episode 14 here, where we give our perspectives on sports from the comforts of our couches. Of course, on the mic, it's your host, Kyle French. Unfortunately, we're going another episode here without our valued co-host, Michael Burke. But don't worry, he will be back hot for episode 15 next week, where we will be giving our full NBA I'm sorry, predictions for the season, similar to how we did the NFL show a few weeks back. NBA starts up Tuesday the 17th, I believe it is. So look forward to that. We'll be giving our division winner picks, probably run through some seeding, who we think will make the playoffs, who won't. Maybe give some uh, predictions on MVP, most improved player, rookie of the year, all that fun stuff. So look forward to a full NBA episode coming next week. As for now, we will get back to our fantasy football segment. We are talking a little fantasy basketball. As I mentioned, the season's right around the corner. For those of us who engage in the fantasy side of things for the NBA, it's a lot of fun. I actually like it better than the NFL, so I'll run through a couple uh, draft strategies and a couple things to look for when you're getting into your draft. We'll have breaking news that isn't news, and we'll be giving our NFL picks, and we'll have a a guest on for our picks. One of our followers tweeted in to us, giving us his picks. Like Mike mentioned, we'll track your uh, stats with us. If you tweet at us, send us your upset of the week, who you think will win the Sunday night game, and who you think will win the Monday night game. And so we'll have uh, a guest coming on to discuss his thoughts and who he's taking for those games, so it should be fun. So we'll go ahead and kick things off here with our fantasy football segment. I'll give you guys a quick suggestion on who you might want to add this week, one player you might want to drop, one guy who maybe isn't always a starter, but you definitely want him in your lineup this coming Sunday, and one guy I would stay away from. So we'll start with the ad. This is probably the most obvious acquisition we've seen in quite a while. Dalvin Cook going down. With a torn ACL, Minnesota Vikings running back. He's been a valued asset on many fantasy teams this year and for the Vikings as an organization. And what you want to do is you want to go out and pick up the guy who's going to be taking his carries and his touches, and that is Latavius Murray. So Vikings running back Latavius Murray is the hottest player on the waiver wire this week. Definitely go grab him. If you're scared that you know he hasn't been getting too much production, too many touches recently, don't worry because obviously, like I said, Cook is gone. And the guy who's been getting the second most touches on that team, Jarek McKinnon, he's only getting those touches because he's a third down back. So he, his role is going to remain unchanged. Pretty much what's going to happen is Murray is going to slide in for where Cook used to play, getting the first down and second round, second down carries. McKinnon's still going to stay as the third down guy. So his role won't change. You don't need to go grab him. Get Latavius Murray. He's going to not jump McKinnon on the depth chart, but it's essentially going to feel that way if you're basing it on the stats and the statistics of the games. So Latavius Murray, go at him. Last year he was a top 20 running back when he played for the Oakland Raiders. Obviously things have not quite transitioned as well as we thought they would to Minnesota, but I definitely think he's going to be a, a potential start the rest of the season here. So if you can grab him, definitely go grab him. You know, there's a few running backs who are are down this week due to the bye week. This is the first one we've had uh, this year. So that's something you always have to account for in in fantasy. So guys like Mark Ingram, Devontae Freeman, uh, who else? we got Tevin Coleman. All these guys are on bye week. So if you need someone to fill in and plug while they're out, 
go grab Latavius Murray, and, and he just might end up being a, uh, a stalwart on your team there. One player I would recommend to go ahead and drop would be Rob Kelly. So this is the Washington Redskins running back. He's on bye this week, so he's not going to do you much good anyway. But just in general, he's been a disappointment. You know, he was going higher than I probably thought he should have in drafts. You know, but he didn't seem like he would be a free agent type player. But he just hasn't gotten the touches. He hasn't gotten the yards. He has no touchdowns on the year. There's another guy in Washington, Chris Thompson. He seems like he's been eating up all the big plays. Who knows if that's going to last. You know, he's more of a, you know, a pass catching back. But they have been giving him more carries as he's kind of exploded on the scene the first few weeks. And I don't know. I mean, Washington has been trying to run the ball, and it just hasn't really been working for them. You know, Kelly got 10 carries week one, 12 week two, and he didn't do a whole lot with them. He hasn't done anything around the goal line. So I think he might be a, a guy you should consider dropping this week, especially considering there's a bunch of free agency pickups and, uh, and waiver wire guys who are worth taking a flyer on. Whereas Rob Kelly, I don't know. I mean, he's his ceiling is like a safe flex option or you know a bench guy to fill in if one of your starters is on bye week. I don't think he's really worth keeping on your team at the moment. You know, maybe you can wait a couple weeks, but like I said, with the bye coming up now, if you're gonna hold on to him, you gotta wait this week and next week to see what he gives you. I'd go ahead and just cut him now, and just maybe keep an eye on him and. Bring him back if he ever has a big game, but I think he's a fairly safe drop as of right now. Go grab a you know like a guy like Latavius Murray, um, a guy like Aaron Jones in Green Bay, guys who have higher potential, higher ceilings than maybe Kelly does based on you know the workload he's been given these first few weeks in Washington. And one guy I would say you definitely want to start this week, especially like I mentioned with running backs being down. I guess this is just a running back heavy uh, suggestion column here. But start Amir Abdullah, Lions running back. He had a breakout game last week. He's actually played well all season. But last week he got 20 carries, 94 yards, touchdown. I think he threw in like five or six catches as well. And his, his workload has just been continuing to rise. I mean, his floor is 14 carries, which is very solid, especially for you know, fantasy, if you're looking for starting running back, that's a great place to start. And uh, Theo Riddick, his counterpart over there on the Lions, he's been kind of known to be more of the, the pass-catching back, the third-down guy, but his production has been going down. His touches are down. His catches and targets are down. And I think that's in main part to the Lions really liking what they have in Amir Abdullah, and I see him continuing to do well going forward. The Lions have been playing well. They're at home against Carolina, who's been an inconsistent team. Who knows if their defense is going to show up. I think Abdullah has a, a great chance to, to shred them. And then after that, he's got games against uh, the Saints and the Packers and the Browns coming up. So a couple exposable defenses coming up on his schedule and the Lions' schedule. So I would go ahead and start Amir Abdullah this week and consider him as a, you know, a main plug for the rest of the season. I know Burke would be proud of uh, that suggestion there because I know on his team in the league I play with, with him, he has decided to start Amir Abdullah. So that one was for you, buddy. Hope he doesn't do too well, though, because I am going up against my uh, rival co-host this week on the Fantasy Gridiron. So 
you guys go play Amir Abdullah. Hopefully he gets, you know, a nice even like 10 to 12 points. I don't want him to kill me too much, but um, he's definitely a guy, if I had him, I'd be rolling him out in my lineup for sure. On the flip side of the coin, a guy who I would probably stay away from for the week is Cam Newton. A lot of people are going to have, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to him putting up a huge game against New England. And, oh, Cam Newton's back. The MVP Cam, he's back. The Panthers are rolling. I don't buy it. The Patriots' defense is, you know, ranked 32nd in the league. For those of you who don't know, there's only 32 teams. So that is a solid last place ranking for the Patriots' defense. That's a defense that pretty much every quarterback they've played has exposed them. And that would include, obviously, Cam Newton, who does have the talent level to compete at a high level, but he has not done so far this year. He's an inconsistent passer. You just look at the first three weeks he played. These are his fantasy numbers here. Or these are his real numbers as opposed to his fantasy numbers. He's put up less than 200 yards per game on average in those three games. He's only thrown two touchdowns in those three games, balanced out nicely by a cool four interceptions. So he's got a .5 touchdown-to-interception ratio and the three weeks he's played not against the worst defense in the league. That doesn't sound like a quality fantasy start to me. I know guys like Drew Brees, Matt Ryan are out for the uh, the week on by Kirk Cousins, another quarterback who uh, you know would draw a start in a fantasy league over Cam Newton. I know those three guys are gone. He might be sitting on your bench. You might want to play him. I would advise against it. The Lions are actually currently ranked as the number one fantasy defense in the league. I don't think they're at that standard as far as actual defensive play goes, but those are the numbers. Those are the facts. They've played really well against quarterbacks so far this year. I would stay away from Cam. There's a bunch of quarterbacks on the waiver wire that I would go to to, to plug in if my guy's on a bye before him, some being uh, Jared Goff, Alex Smith, or even rookie Deshaun Watson, who I don't think his success that he had against the Titans, where he commandeered the Houston Texans offense to 57 points, I don't think that is going to continue. But I certainly think he's valuable. He can get you running touchdowns. He'll get you the running yards, which can really help you know a quarterback's fantasy numbers. He can save them. You know that's what actually happened uh, when Watson played the Bengals in Week Two. He didn't throw the ball well, but you know he scampered around for a 50-yard touchdown. That's going to give you 11 points right there on one play. You know if he pulls off something like that or racks up some yards on the ground, it really uh, helps to benefit his stats. So. You know, those three guys, Goff, Watson, Alex Smith, I mean, I'd happily take those guys over Cam Newton all day, so don't overreact to a big game in New England last week. Cam Newton is a sit this week for fantasy football. Don't put him in your roster. So just to recap, add Latavius Murray, Minnesota Vikings running back. I would go ahead and drop Rob Kelly, the Washington Redskins running back. Start Amir Abdul. He's going to have a big game against the Carolina Panthers and sit Cam Newton. Do not overreact to one big game against a terrible defense. So that's going to wrap up our fantasy football segment. Also, I just want to thank uh, you know the guys over at PMT. Pardon my take if you guys listen to that Barstool Sports podcast. They've been complaining recently about a fantasy football podcast jumping them in the rankings. So thanks for the shout-out, guys. It's, you know, it's good to see you guys. Appreciate what Couchside is doing out here. Good to see we're making an impact on on the big stage, you know, even if the big fish up there are calling us out. So thanks, guys. Appreciate that.
So now we'll move on. We're going to remain on the fantasy side of things here, but we're going to switch over to basketball. The season is coming up. Uh, me and my co-host, Michael Burke, our league just had our fantasy basketball draft this past week. I know many other leagues are, are getting into it, getting back into the fantasy basketball swing of things. So I'm just going to give you guys some quick tips here, some things to look for in your draft. Make sure you get one of the best teams you can, some sleepers, some guys to target early, and uh, some important statistics. So first off, I'm going to start off early in the draft process here. Obviously, you're going to see all the big names, and you're going to want to grab them. Guys like Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. All these guys are great picks in the first round. You won't go wrong. They're cornerstones of fantasy championship teams. So that's fine. Go ahead and take them. But I'm going to point out a few guys here that you might not think of when you think about the best players in the NBA, but they are fantasy studs. And so three guys I want to talk about are Giannis Antetokounmpo, Carl Anthony Towns, and Nikola Jokic. If you can grab either of these three guys at the back end of round one or in round two, I consider that a steal. These guys played out of their mind last year. Antetokounmpo is the small forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. Last year, he put up numbers of just about 23 points per game, two blocks, 1.5 steals, nearly six assists, and nearly nine rebounds. That was good enough to lead the Bucks in every single one of those statistical categories, and he's only on the rise. The guy's like 22 years old. Every year, he's adding something to his game getting somehow more athletic, somehow more freakishly long. And I expect him to continue that success, dominate again this year. I mean, he's he's a first-round draft pick. Honestly, if you take him top five, I think you're going to be happy with him. I mean, he's that good, and he's on the rise. Who knows what's going to happen this year? Uh, the two other guys I mentioned, Carl Anthony Towns. He is the center for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Easily the best young player on that team. Last year, he put up 25 and 12 per game. That's points and rebounds, 25 and 12. Double doubles are a huge factor in fantasy. If your league rewards you for them, ours does. So you put up a double double in any two categories, you get five extra points on the spot. So guys who average double doubles or are more likely to get double doubles are therefore much more valuable due to that bonus. And Carl Anthony Towns ate off of that bonus last year. And he was the number one ranked center in the league. That was ahead of DeMarcus Cousins. That was ahead of Anthony Davis, etc. Anybody else in the league who played center, he beat him out as far as fantasy numbers go. Yes, his numbers are going to be down with the addition of Jimmy Butler to the team. They brought Jeff Teague over. There's more mouths to feed. But he's still going to be the number one option on that team, I believe. He's still going into his third year. He's only like 21-22, just like Giannis. He's just going to get better. He's just going to get more talented. Yes, the numbers are going to go down a little bit, but I still think end of round one, great pick, Carl Anthony Towns. The last guy I mentioned there, Nikola Jokic, he's the Denver Nuggets center, and he came on the scene out of pretty much nowhere last year. I mean, he wasn't owned in fantasy leagues in the beginning of the year, and then he just exploded after the All-Star break, putting up 18 points per game, 12 rebounds, and 6 assists. That's an extremely well-rounded stat line. He's given you numbers in every category. I mean, the center getting 6 assists is very impressive. Also, like I mentioned, he has the double-double potential. 
He also has a triple-double potential, which very few players in the NBA have. It's obviously one of the reasons that Russell Westbrook was the most valued fantasy asset this past season. Triple-doubles adds 10-point bonus to your fantasy score uh, as far as our league and many others are concerned. So check that stat out before you go ahead and draft some of these guys. Make sure you are being rewarded for double-doubles and triple-doubles because then you'll be leaning more toward drafting big guys as opposed to small guys, unless they're point guards who are going to be getting uh, double-doubles. Guys like John Wall, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, guys like that who can go out and get 10 in the assist column, You know, then you can value them highly as well. So, But just make sure that uh, your league settings are set up as such that you get rewarded for those points before uh, going out and weighing these guys too heavily. But Jokic, if you get him in the second round, I think that's a great pick, great value there. I'm also basing this off of uh, a 10-team league, 10 to 12. You know, it's it's a similar style. Those are the general uh, sizes of most leagues that I've seen. So, yeah, if you can get him anywhere from pick 10 to, to 15, great job. I mean, later, excellent, but I would assume he's gone by then. Uh, one guy I am a little bit worried about in the first two rounds is actually a, a man that is close to my heart, Chris Paul. If you guys remember, I I tried to sway Chris to stay in L.A. on the first few episodes of the podcast here. I tried to tell him, you know, L.A.'s where you need to be. It's your home. You're the leader. You're the king on that court. Everyone loves you. You can go get your double-doubles, and we'll, maybe we'll make the conference finals one year. But he didn't listen. He went to Houston, and therefore he's kind of a wild card to me. I mean, he could thrive in that D'Antoni system where they're throwing the ball around. Who knows? Maybe he averages his his consistent 18 and 10 that he's been doing his whole career just on more efficient numbers, and he puts up even better stats than he has. But there's also the potential that he kind of gets a little bit abandoned where James Harden is taking over the ball handling duties, and he's you know kind of set aside on the in the corner to shoot threes, and you know maybe his numbers go down. So it's tough to say. I, I would probably stay away from him in the first two rounds. I think there's other guys you can get. If you can get him in round three, or even he probably won't slide to round four, but if he's there in round three, go ahead and take a chance on him. Just don't draft him too early, just because I think he's a little bit of a wild card. You're not entirely sure what you're going to get. Guys to target in round three, just two I want to mention real quick, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Blake Griffin. So Blake Griffin, I just mentioned, Chris Paul's gone. And there's a world where Blake Griffin, the point-forward Blake Griffin, exists, where he's going to do everything he did the past few years, but he's also going to take on more ball-handling duties and run not necessarily a point guard, but a point-forward, as they call it. And I, he averaged, let me check, I think he averaged five assists this past season. Yeah, he was right on five assists. I would expect those numbers to go up. I think he could get you six or seven assists a game. I think he can threaten a double-double with you know averages of, I mean, to keep this team competitive, he's going to have to score mid-20s. The rebounds might not be there because he is playing alongside DeAndre Jordan, who's one of the best rebounders in the NBA. But he'll get close to 10 a game. He's a guy who I think is a round one talent who's going to be available in round three. Grab him there. Uh, The other guy, Chris Stapps Porzingis, New York Knicks. He's a freak. I mean, the guy's 7'3". He can shoot from anywhere on the court. He's really like a, a younger, more athletic Dirk Nowitzki at this point in his career. And with Carmelo Anthony leaving the New York Knicks, they just lost 
17, 18 shot attempts per game. Someone has to fill that void. Chris Stapps is going to be the guy. He's unquestionably the best player on the team. At 7-3, he should average a double-double this year. I'm not sure he will because he's not quite strong enough and just not positionally a good enough rebounder to get there. But just off his sheer size and being around the basket, I think he has a chance to do so. I think he has a chance to average 20 points per game and be a real asset on your fantasy team. So that's the guy in round three that I would definitely go ahead and target. One other thing I want to mention before we get too far into this as well is when you're drafting, this isn't a statistic, this isn't a player, this is a system thing that is set up inside of the draft that you have to pay attention to. When you pull up your your fantasy cast draft or whatever they call it, the players are going to be ranked. So you, if you click rank or it's just going to default to that system, it's going to order the players by rank. That is based off of category scoring. So what that is is... If you play fantasy football, you know it's head-to-head matchups. That's the way my league and all the leagues I've played in for fantasy basketball are also structured. But many fantasy leagues and the, uh, I guess, the regulation ESPN ones are category scoring, which is more focused on versatile, well-rounded players. So a guy like Draymond Green is going to be valued really high in that system because he, he gets you points, he gets you threes, blocks, steals, rebounds, assists, everything so he's really valuable there and so he's gonna be rated highly but if you're looking at sheer production and point value don't specifically look at the rankings you can scroll over and you can look at their projected total fantasy points and if you click that it'll reorganize all the people all the players in your queue there and it'll be better formulated for projected success as far as head-to-head matchups go so I would suggest everybody goes out and switches their auto settings to ranking players based off of their projected fantasy points as opposed to their value in a eight-category rotisserie ESPN league. That's one reason guys like uh, Serge Ibaka always seem to go high in drafts and disappoint. You wonder why. It's because those players, like I mentioned, are being ranked based off their category value, where a guy like Serge Ibaka, similar to like I mentioned with Draymond Green, he used to give you everything. He'd give you rebounds, points, threes, blocks, steals, a couple assists. So he would always be overvalued, and he'd go in the first like two rounds when really he was around five or six guys as far as head-to-head matchups go. So that's one thing that I definitely think players don't know, but they should, and they need to pay attention to that. And uh, factor that in when they're making their picks. So don't just go with the guy on the top of the rankings. Look at what they're projected to score. Look at their stats. You know, another thing, like I mentioned earlier, look at if they have a potential average of double-double. Weight those guys more heavily. And then another thing that I just wanted to touch on was how to deal with positions on your team. Who to draft, what positions to target. And there's two positions that, if you've played fantasy basketball in the past, you know are not very deep, and that is the shooting guard position and the small forward position. If you wait past the first three or four rounds to draft one of the players at this these two positions, shooting guard or small forward, you're going to be in trouble, and you're going to be left you know, with a borderline starter who you just have to roll out every game. 
And so I would definitely recommend you go grab those two positions early. In my draft, I was able, I was fortunate. I was able to get LeBron James round one, DeMar DeRozan round two. I shorted up right there, small forwards and shooting guards. Now I can go out and have all the fun I want drafting all the great point guards and, and bigs that are out there who typically average more points and are a much deeper position. You know, you can grab those guys later. I got Eric Buds was my starting point guard. I'm content with that. That guy can get close to averaging 40 a game. It's, he's not even a top 10 fantasy point guard, though, but it's just a really deep position, so I was able to wait on it. If I wait to grab an outside-the-top-ten shooting guard, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be stuck with you know, a guy like Avery Bradley. You know, He's not a bad player, but that's not a guy I, I want secured into my top five players on my team. No way. So shooting guard and small forward, try to grab those up early. Go for the bigs and the point guards a little later. It's similar to waiting on a quarterback in fantasy football. It's a really deep position. There's a lot of guys who can get you big numbers. Don't target it early. Wait, and you can still get good value. Another thing to focus on position-wise is unlike football and basketball, there's guys who can play multiple positions. So a guy like Steph Curry, I think they may have changed it for him, but he used to be eligible at both point guard and shooting guard. James Harden, another guy, eligible at both point guard and shooting guard. The more multi-positional players you can grab, the better, because then you're more flexible. Guys aren't just locked into one position. They can move all over your roster. A guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo last year, I can't lie about this. He was legitimately listed as a shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center, I believe. It might have been point guard through power forward, but either way, he was listed at four different positions. I mean, there's that's unlimited versatility. You can fill him in anywhere on your roster virtually. So guys like that are much more valuable. You know, that can satisfy your, your shooting guard spot. If you're able to get Stephen Curry and play him at shooting guard, now you can go get you know, point guard in the fourth or fifth round, and you plug him in, and those are your two starters. So you get your guy early who can also fill in uh, those not-so-deep positions, the shallow position that is shooting guard. So look for multi-positional players. Um, a lot of guys can play both power forward and center. That's a big one because centers can only fit into the center slot and the utility slot on your fantasy roster. So if you grab up too many guys who are specifically strictly centers, they're tough to fit into your roster. So if you can, grab guys who are both power forward and centers. And going into your draft, they're not going to list them as multi-positional. So you're going to have to look at uh, past seasons if you can, if you're in a dynasty league and you can look back at past years and see what guys were listed as. Or I'm sure you can just pull up you know, some rankings online of last year and they'll tell you who's eligible at multiple positions. It won't tell you in your draft. It'll only list one position. But definitely stay aware of that and keep your eye on that. Uh, that'll help you you know, make good choices. Uh, two guys I want to mention that I would stay away from early. And I wish we had Burke on here to, to counter me on this point. Because he is a Gordon Hayward fanboy. As you know, uh, the Boston Celtics, everything Boston is you know, his team. And he fell in love with Gordon Hayward, drafted him right in the beginning of the third round. I think he reached. I don't think Gordon Hayward is going to get better statistically and and fantasy speaking last year in Utah he put up 22 points per game three and a half assists five and a half rebounds I think that's kind of his ceiling I mean he was the number one on that team yeah they had Rudy Gobert but Rudy Gobert isn't stealing touches from him you know and Gordon coming over to Boston he's going to play you know alongside Kyrie 
He's going to play alongside Al Horford. Those are two guys who are going to get more shots and score more points than most of the guys he's played with in his whole career. Obviously, Kyrie, you know, is going to be way better than anyone he's played with. So as far as team basketball goes, Gordon Hayward is going to be great in Boston. He's going to fit very well. Him and Brad Stevens have great camaraderie. They're going to be great as a team. Fantasy-wise, I don't think so. I think he's taking a step back. Um, I've, I've had this conversation with Burke off the air. He, he thinks that somehow Gordon Hayward is going to get more touches, more shots. He's going to get more rebounds, be more efficient. I don't see it. Only time will tell. But I think second round is definitely a reach. Third round may be a reach. Fourth round is probably where I would put uh, Gordon Hayward. I wouldn't draft him much higher than that. One other guy that I'm a little wary about in fantasy basketball this year who's produced in the past is Andrew Wiggins. He's consistently going in the first three rounds. I I wouldn't touch him. I'm sorry, I just wouldn't. I mean, he played a ridiculous amount of minutes for the Timberwolves this past season. He was averaging close to 38 minutes per game, which is a lot. I know he's a young player. They put a lot on his plate. But they got much deeper this offseason, so I don't think he's going to be playing that many minutes, and he's also going to be losing shots to the guys they brought in. I mean, they brought in Jimmy Butler, who plays virtually the same position, a shooting guard, small forward hybrid. He's a much better player than Andrew Wiggins is at this point in their careers. So he's going to be getting more touches. He's going to be the guy they're going to at clutch moments. He's going to be scoring more points. They also went out and brought in Jamal Crawford, who is one of the best six men in the NBA, who plays his shooting guard position. They're going to be giving him 15 to 20 minutes per game, and he's going to be jacking up shots that guys on the Wolves previously weren't doing off the bench at that wing position. So I just think the Wolves getting much deeper at Andrew Wiggins' own position is going to lead to less shots, less points, and less minutes for him. And he doesn't really add anything else to your team besides points. Last year, he averaged two assists and four rebounds. Uh, Four rebounds isn't terrible for a shooting guard, but for a guy as athletic as Wiggins, he probably could do more. And the assists, I mean, two assists is nothing. That's two points in fantasy. thats It's not getting you anywhere. He has no potential for double-doubles. He's strictly just a, if he scores a lot of points that night, he helps you a lot. If he has an off-shooting night, not so much. And I think uh, his ceiling is significantly lower for this season. I honestly am not taking him unless he falls to me in, like, round five. I mean, I'm taking guys like, Devin Booker over him at the shooting guard position. I'm taking Clay Thompson over him at the shooting guard position. Uh, not to mention a few other guys who I would just rather take in general who aren't aren't necessarily shooting guards, but there's plenty of other bigs who are going to offer some double-double potential. Some guys who uh, kind of fell off last year are going to be coming back strong that I'd rather take than Andrew Wiggins, who I think is just blatantly being overrated and, and overdrafted um, in leagues so far this season. So now we'll transition to you know the back half of drafts here. Uh, some sleeper picks that I would look at once you get closer to uh, round 10 or so. Um, a couple guys, uh, small forward shooting guard guys, like I mentioned, that's a pretty shallow position, but guys who will give you great value late in drafts who have potential to be great would be Gary Harris and Malcolm Brogdon. Gary Harris is the Nuggets shooting guard, and Brogdon is the Milwaukee Bucks shooting guard, even though he essentially played point guard for that team as the season went on. 
I think he's their second. Well, he is their second best playmaker behind uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And if he makes strides in his sophomore season, I think he's he could move up into a top seventy, top sixty player fantasy wise if everything works out for him. So he's if he's available, uh, probably post round nine, snatch him up immediately. Gary Harris, like I said, he's the Denver Nuggets guy. He came on the scene late last year, like a bunch of Nuggets players did, and uh, performed pretty well. He averaged about 15 points per game on the season. Uh, He's been struggling with injuries the past couple years, so now that he's finally healthy and the Nuggets are are a playoff contender, I think they're going to be rolling him out. They might start him. Uh, The Nuggets also, people might not realize this, but they're somewhat of a fantasy goldmine in the fact that they actually are the most efficient, uh, you know, high-powered offense really in the NBA. Last year, after the All-Star break, they averaged more points per possession than every other team, including the Golden State Warriors, who many people would have thought would dominate in that category. The Nuggets actually beat them out. The reason they didn't win a lot of games is because their defense sucks. But that doesn't matter for fantasy. You don't lose points for letting guys score on you. It's all about offense. And so Nuggets players can be a a hotbed that people don't realize is there. So Gary Harris is a guy I would look at late in rounds as well. Brandon Ingram, that's another guy who no one is paying attention to Brandon Ingram anymore. Last season when he was a rookie, everyone loved him and thought he had great potential. Oh, he's the next Kevin Durant, baby Durant. Did he get worse this this past offseason? Did he get worse since he came out of uh, Duke as a freshman? No, he got better. Uh, people just don't see him on a big stage at Duke scoring 30 points a game. There's no hype around sophomore guys because their rookie years are almost always disappointments in fans' eyes. And they just write them off like, oh, you know, they weren't the best player in the league their rookie year, so I guess they didn't pan out. That's not the way it, it works. Obviously, Brandon Ingram got better. The Lakers got better. I think Kevin Lonzo Ball as his point guard is going to help him. He should lead that to- team in points per game. I expect fairly big things from Brandon Ingram. If he's there after round 9 or 10, grab him up immediately. And then just a few more quick guys I would look at would be Enos Cantor. Got traded from the Thunder to the Knicks, so obviously his value went up. He'll have a lot more touches over there. Um, he may start. He'll probably come off the bench. I'm not sure exactly what the Knicks will do with him, but he's worth a flyer. If he's there the last two rounds, take him. Uh, Rodney Hood. He's going to be doing his best to fill in for the Utah Jazz what they lost in Gordon Hayward. Uh, he started off last season hot before uh, Joe Johnson got healthy and took some touches away from him. So look at Rodney Hood late in drafts. And then two guys, if they're there just in the last round, take a quick flyer on them, see what happens. Who knows if they'll pan out, but Buddy Heald and Jamal Murray are two guys who I think are supremely talented and they have really high ceilings, and especially Buddy Heald. Uh, Sacramento is going to be desperately looking for people to to build around. So this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. You know, as far as real basketball goes and fantasy, either he's going to break out and, you know, he could average high teens per game if he gets up over 15 points per game and gives you some rebounds and assists. He's worth adding to the end of your bench. So uh, take a chance on him. And Jamal Murray, again, he's another Nuggets player. Like I mentioned with that high-powered offense, I think he's really talented. He had some huge games last year. Toward the tail end, he wasn't super consistent. Um, But those two guys, 
if the final round comes around and you have no idea who you're going to pick and either of those guys is available, take a chance on either one of them and uh, there will be a boomer bust potential there. So that will uh, round up our fantasy basketball draft analysis segment here. Wish we could have had uh, co-host Michael Burke on to discuss. I would have loved to see him try to defend his guy Gordon Hayward. who I'll tell him right to his face next week when we do our NBA prediction episode how much I don't believe in his Celtics, but uh, we'll hold that off until then, so look forward to that. It may be a a bit of a heated discussion over the Celtics next episode. So uh, good luck to everybody in their fantasy basketball drafts. hope you guys learned something, and uh, hopefully you can compete for ring this year. We won't be going as in-depth as the fantasy football uh, draft, or I'm sorry, fantasy, like free agency, acquisitions and drops, ads, starts, uh, we'll mention a few things every once in a while about fantasy basketball, though. Uh, we're both prestiged players. Two uh, championship rings for each of us in our dynasty league, so you can depend on us for good analysis. And as always, you guys can tweet at us. If you have any questions about uh, your rosters, just let us know. We'll grade your rosters. We'll give you you know, trade advice, free agent advice, who to start, who to sit. Just tweet at us, at Couchside Sports. Uh, that's second sports. As you know, the last S is a Z. So it is Couchside Sports with a Z. You can find us on Twitter. We're fairly active, and uh, we'd love to have you guys hit us up and uh, do what we can to help you out. So, yeah, Couchside Sports with a Z. Go follow us and send us some questions. So now we're going to move on to our uh, breaking news. It isn't news, a classic segment on Couchside Sports. And I've got a Got one that's kind of been getting under my skin the past couple weeks. My breaking news that isn't news is that Tony Romo, of all people, sounds knowledgeable about football when in the CBS booth working games. People are, for whatever reason, surprised that he knows how to read an NFL coverage. They're, They're watching the games. I've seen so much talk of it recently. So many people saying they're impressed with Tony Romo and they respect him because Oh, wow, this guy knows a lot about football. Yeah, no shit he knows a lot about football. Did he not realize that he was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL for the past, like, 10 to 12 years? People are shocked that he can, like, read a coverage or he understands different formations on the line. Or, like, when the quarterback goes up to make a call, he's like, oh, yep, he just saw that linebacker is coming off the right. And everyone's, like, mind-blown that he would know these things. Like, he was he was in that position and one of the better players at that position for a long time in the NFL. Now, whether you think he was like an elite quarterback or not, that's a different discussion that I don't think deserves to be had because obviously he was, but we'll save that for another day. But yeah, this is not a surprise to me that he knows what he's doing in the booth. He should. I'm assuming that's why they hired him, and he pretty much proved it on the field for a long time. He didn't suffer mentally on the field. He suffered physically. That's why he's not playing anymore. He certainly knows how to handle an offense he understands the game of football and I don't know it just it's surprising to me that other people are surprised at how good he's doing in the booth when I really don't think it's a shocker at all so that's my breaking news that isn't news we'll do a uh, a double here since Burke isn't on I know what he was going to mention he had some breaking news that isn't news that he wanted me to bring up and that is that the NBA All-Star Game has a new format. 
and I thought at first probably the same thing you're thinking. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see them changing the format, you know, from east versus west to just two captains pick a team. That was out of left field, right? It was, but they had to do something. It is not breaking news that they did something because otherwise the west would have slaughtered the east. They are so much better. The players are so much better in the West. They would have killed the East. The NBA had to do something. They had to. Otherwise, it would have been a 90-point blowout. We might have seen a triple-digit victory. I don't care if they got LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. The West is loaded. So, breaking news that isn't news, they switched the format to make the game close. I will be... uh, Excited to see how it plays out. Obviously, this is very new. Uh, the NFL does something a little bit similar, and their ratings I don't think have been helped at all by it. I've always thought the NBA All-Star Game was more exciting. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm going to re- watch regardless. I think it'll make things closer. I think there's going to be a, a hilarious dynamic, especially depending on who the captains are uh, who have to pick these guys. It's going to be awkward. I don't think they'll do it publicly because otherwise it would be a mess. You'd have, you know, Kevin Durant up there not picking Russell Westbrook till the last round or some shit like that, you know. It'd be funny. I'd love to see it, but I'm sure they'll do it behind closed doors and we won't we won't get the drama and theatrics that could be caused by it. But we'll theorize some stuff. So when the All Star game comes around, we might try to get inside the minds of the captains. And we'll do a we'll do a funny segment on that. So Yeah, the NBA All-Star Game is changing, and that is uh, breaking news. It isn't news. So next, we are going to move on to our NFL picks. Like I said, we are having a a guest appearance on here. Uh, At Keenan, not Cal, has tweeted at us, giving us his upset of the week, his Sunday night game pick, and his Monday night game pick. So we're going to see if we can call him in and get him on the line to uh, break down why he made the decisions he made. Okay, so now we will welcome on a new guest to the show, Keenan Devney. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm happy to be on Couchside Sports. Absolutely. So uh, Keenan is at Keenan Not Cal on Twitter. He tweeted us, Couchside Sports with a Z, sending in his picks for the week. And, uh, you know, with our co-host Burke unfortunately out, I figured uh, we'd have Mon to defend himself. Yeah, thank you, and I'm happy to do that. You know, I went with a really hot upset this week, and I'm really excited about it. Can't wait to see it. And I went with Jacksonville Jaguars over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love this one. I love this pick. So you want to break down uh, exactly why you made this decision? I would. I would. So first off, as inconsistent as Blake Bortles is as QB, they they can put up some points. They put up 40-plus on Baltimore last week. And the Steelers' D has not been looking great in these past few weeks. Granted, they've only given up 21 or 23 to Chicago and 18 to the Browns, but those are also two of the worst teams in the league. Understandable. And then on top of that, Pittsburgh has not put up points itself, that high-octane offense of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, the three Bs, has has underwhelmed this season so far, to me, from yeah, what no. I've seen. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, they, and, they are 3-1. and one. They've, they've worked it out good enough, but 
they're not putting up 30-plus every game. So No, no, they're not. And Jacksonville's defense is low-key one of the better Ds in the league. They're young. Yep. But they have been doing well so far in this in this league in their matchups. And so I'm I'm really excited about this game that's going to be uh at Heinz Stadium. Jacksonville is picked as an 8-point underdog, but I'm looking for them to cover that for sure. Yeah. I think they'll definitely cover it and they definitely have a chance to win. I like going with that, you know, 8-point dog on the road, that's a nice fat line. I can always get behind a fat line. Uh, as you know, if you've listened to the show, uh, Burke is a big fan of getting those one-point lines. So he is undefeated. And the one-point the one lines at home as well. Yeah, yep. Well, you know, that's what he does, and he's he's undefeated. So I'm going to keep poking the bear, but as long as it, it works for him, I, I feel like I have no choice but to respect it. Of course, of course. Uh, so I'll give you my upset of the week here. I am going with the Arizona Cardinals on the road over the Philadelphia Eagles. And so okay. This is a, an interesting one. I, this is more of a challenge for the Eagles than anything because I need them to prove to me that they are a good team. They're 3-1, and one, but they have two games they squeaked out that they shouldn't have won against two teams who haven't won a game yet in the New York Giants and the L.A. Chargers. So, they, of course, they are 3-1, and one, but it's been really tight games against teams who aren't great, and I need them to prove to me this week that they're a good team, and I don't think they're going to do it. The Cardinals are going to come in even without David Johnson, and I think they can win this game in Philly. Carson Palmer is going to throw the ball all over the yard. Uh, the Eagles are a little beat up defensively this week. And I'm I'm looking at the Cardinals as a uh, six point underdog to go in and get that W. You know what I like that, and you know with with Carson Palmer able to throw to Larry Legend all the time. Yeah, the legend, um, the legend himself. Never more than what four drops in a season, I think. Yeah, he's legitimately going to be like top five all time. Oh, oh, no doubt. My favorite. I'm a huge Patriot Boston sports guy here, along with Burke. Yep. And the fit, Larry Legend, is one of my favorite players and the favorite non-Patriot player. And so I like that pick. I'm a big fan. Yeah, well, well it's good to hear that I have the support of our uh, our biggest fan here at Couchside Sports. Oh, oh, that's... You humble me. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll move on to uh, Sunday night oh, here. Good. Okay, and... Um, that's that's a big game here. Clash of some defenses. Yeah, definitely. Although, the weird thing is Houston has been putting up huge numbers offensively. Uh, they have. You know, we saw what they did last week, putting up a 57 spot on the Titans. So, uh, you know, Kansas City versus Houston. This is going to be a tight one. Uh, you mentioned on Twitter you're leaning toward the Chiefs, correct? I am, and I'm... Going with Alex Smith's leadership, they've found a way so far to stay undefeated. And great game last week with the Redskins, but they found a way. And with a rookie leading Houston's offense, I think it'll be a great game, a grinding game. 
-hmm. But I think that Alex Smith will be able to lead his team to victory, not in comfortable fashion, but he'll he'll find a way. All right, so it's going to be close. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Chiefs, and almost for a similar reason, Alex Smith has blown me away this year. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I just want to float something out there. Alex Smith, 2017 Most Valuable Player. How does that sit? That's a, that's a hot take. It's a hot take. It's it's but, scorching hot, but scorching. if the Chiefs keep but, playing like they have and he keeps leading these late-game drives, I don't see why not. Yeah, and I I agree with you. There's been nobody better at creating wins for their team this yep. year. And Kareem Hunt has been doing a whole lot of damage on the ground and in the, the receiving game. So I'm looking for if anyone can expose this Houston's Texans uh, defense, I think it's the way that they use Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey in creative fashion. Uh, offensively, Andy Reid's probably a top three coach in the NFL. And I think a lot of times rookie quarterbacks struggle against elite-level coaches. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen when they played New England. Uh, Deshaun Watson played great then. Uh, they couldn't pull out the win, but it, that wasn't really his fault. But I think that he's going to run into a brick wall in the Chiefs defense, who I've loved for a while now, and just Kansas City in general. Um, so, yeah, Alex Smith, I think, is going to lead his team to another win. I'm going to keep riding the train. They're going to have to lose eventually, but I'm going to ride it at least one more week. At least, and I agree with you. All right, excellent. So uh, we'll move on to Monday night then now where we have the Minnesota Vikings against the Chicago Bears and their brand-new rookie quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, how are you feeling about the rookie and Monday night's game? Uh, you know, it, that's, that's a really tall task. And I am going with the Vikings pick on this one. I just cannot see Trubisky faring too well against the Vikings defense featuring Xavier Rhodes. And, you know, the Bears' offense, with if it was Mike Glennon, I would give him a little bit more leeway. But since this is the kid's first start and real NFL action, I cannot find myself pulling for him. Well, you're talking to a guy who is. I'm taking the Bears. I'm taking them to win on Monday night. Uh, one of the primary reasons, not so much is actually the Bears quarterback situation, is the Vikings quarterback situation. Uh, Sam Bradford still questionable to play. If he was a full go, a healthy go, I think I might have to go Vikings. But with him suspect, and even if he does play, he'll be limited. I don't fully believe that Case Keenum or a hurt Sam Bradford-led Vikings team is a sure thing. And Mitch Trubisky was... He had one of the best preseasons that we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback. I know you can't weigh that too heavily, but there's nothing on tape yet to confirm that he isn't the greatest quarterback to ever play. (laughs) So I'm just riding the wave. I don't know. I mean, Mike Glennon hasn't played well. Um, I think Mitch can come out and obviously going to feature the run game primarily with uh, Jordan Howard. And I know the Vikings do have a good front line. You mentioned it. They've got a, a great run run stopper in Xavier Rhodes and some big guys on that D-line. 
But I think if they can just get the running game going a little bit and open a few things up for uh, Trubisky, they can win, you know, a low-scoring 21-17 game uh, here against Minnesota. I like that scoring. I'm going to go 17-10 Vikings. Okay. So you, you really don't believe I, in uh, in the Bears scoring points this week? I, I really don't. You know, they'll they'll hand off to Jordan as much as they can and probably keep with quick routes to get the ball out of Trubisky's hands. Yeah. But, I, you know, the Bears do not have a potent offense this year. They lost a lot, especially in an, an aerial attack. And Definitely. On top of that, Jordan is dinged up. Multiple games, he's come out for a few plays, and I've heard announcers, oh, that shoulder's probably bugging him. So I wonder, I question how heavily they can rely on him. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a fair question, but questioning a man's toughness like that is... You know, maybe he'll hear me and show up. Yeah. Do something special. I think there's a good chance of that. You know, anytime you question a tough guy's toughness, they usually respond. So maybe just you putting that on tape yeah. would be enough. and we both know that he's listening. So, Jordan, yes. I'm challenging you now. <laughs> Prove me wrong. All right, Jordan, you heard it here first. At Keenan, not Kel, Couchside Sports' biggest fan, calling you out. There it is. All right, so that'll uh, wrap up our NFL picks. Just to sum up, Kyle is taking... The Cardinals over the Eagles in his upset of the week. Kansas City to beat Houston Sunday night. And the Bears over the Vikings on Monday night. Also, just uh, one more potential upset of the week I just want to throw out there and and get your thoughts on it off top here. Is the Bills, who are coming off wins against the Broncos and Falcons, are underdogs against the Bengals. Is that not the lock of the century? That that is an underdog lock of the century, <laughs> and I don't know what is going on in Vegas as to how that has come about. Yeah, maybe they haven't been watching the Buffalo games recently. Uh, they might be watching last year's games or two years ago. But um, or maybe the I Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, something along the wrong sport. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised. The three and one Bills cannot possibly be underdogs to Against, a Cincinnati team that did not score a touchdown their first two games. I know. I, I can't wrap my head around it. They, I, I I feel like we if we go out to Vegas, we might be able to find some jobs. We very well might be. Maybe if we can get the funds for it, I'd be willing to take a trip. Maybe we rock a GoFundMe, a Kickstarter, and we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, we already have one up for uh, Mike Burke to become the uh, – head of basketball operations in the NBA, take Adam Silver's job. So, That's right. That's right. I donated a hefty amount to that. <laughs> we, and we thank you for your generous donation. <laughs> well, it's time to get, now that we got Mike Burke set up, we need to get ourselves uh, taken care of as well. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, Keenan, it was great having you on the show today. I'm glad uh, we oh. get you on. Thank you for being a loyal listener and fan of the show. Oh, thank you very much for having having me. I really appreciate uh, being able to come on here and give my hot takes from the comfort of my couch. Yes, exactly. I love it. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see if we can, 
If you get on a hot streak with your upset of the week, we'll have you on again. All right. I'll try to keep uh, keep the picks rolling. All right. Well, uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem. Talk to you later. See you. All right. So that was our NFL picks with our special guest, Keenan Devaney. Uh, a lot of fun having him on. Big fan of the show. And uh, so thank you to everyone who's listening, by the way, not just Keenan. Anyone who's listening via whus.org slash talk or iTunes, we've been very happy to have you. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, subscribing, listening, all that. And uh, that's going to wrap up episode 14 for us today. Like I mentioned, we'll be back next week with our full-out NBA predictions episode. Should be a lot of fun, a lot of heated debates I'm feeling. I'm feeling the tension in the air. Uh, with Mike coming next week. So uh, wait on that. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get some good football this week. And once again, thanks for listening. This is your co-host Kyle French signing off for Couchside Sports, where we give our perspectives on sports from the comforts of our couches. It's been another fun episode, episode 14 in the books, and we will catch you next week. Peace, guys.